Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Washington State University. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Oregon and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. All right, welcome to the Dog Pod, the one and only true home for the University of Washington tackle football team fan base. This is our 2020 voyage to reclaim the title of the King of the North. I'm here with Law Dog and Mitch. We're at full strength. Gentlemen, the Huskies played football. They did it, man. Uh, we're going to get into that, and we're going to preview this week's 5.30 Saturday kickoff with the Wildcats of Arizona. Um, but, gentlemen, we're going to get into something, a real quick recap, and then we're going to make some pessimist and optimist cases for the Huskies. This is like taking the Huskies to the stock exchange, the bull case, the bear case. Um, guys, before we get into that, we have to thank a sponsor. Shoes and Feet. Shoes and Feet, the best uh-huh. running shoe athletic store in the greater Puget Sound area, just off 148th in Bellevue. If you want to get yourself a pair of running shoes, don't order knockoffs from Amazon. Don't You can't go to Big Five. Big Five's closed. You want to go to Shoes and Feet, get your feet tested. They're COVID-safe, testing you one at a time. And also, ShoesandFeet.com if you want to order online. Gentlemen, should we get into some Husky football? Let's do Let's it, do DT. It. All right, here, little factoid. Last time UW opened its season up against Oregon State, I don't know if you knew this, November 23rd, 1918, when it was also a global pandemic. The Spanish flu forced a delay to start the season. Here we are, back again. So UW... BT, uh, Spanish flu is not the preferred nomenclature. Just, oh, what, uh, sorry, what is it? What, what? I don't know. It's <laughs> something else. <laughs> we got, we're going to have to... COVID-12. We're COVID-12. <laughs> At seven cents then. Um, this time we played. UW was favored by 10. I'm going to give you the quick recap. This is, I mean, this is the Cliff Notes version. UW favored by 10. They would win, but not cover 27-21. So much more to the story than the score. So here we go. First drive. We thought Kamari Pleasant starting. Well, maybe that was just something in, uh, in the depth chart. No, he started. His runs. I'm going to read this to you on the first series. Two, three, three, and one yards. But we did move the ball, thanks to some nifty work, a couple of passes, drive stalls, drive stalls out at the Beaver 40. They decide to punt. A little bit of a head-scratcher. Freshman long, long snapper, Jaden Green, and his first snap as a Husky, sails it way over Race Porter's head. Dikembe Mutombo couldn't have caught this thing. It was so high. <laughs> Porter picks it up at the 12, tries to roll out and boot it, which I've seen, you've seen punters do. Goes bless right, his heart. Bless his heart. Runs right into Hamilcar <laughs> Rashid's belly. Um, ZTF, who in maybe his one mistake of the entire night, instead of jumping out, it tries to scoop it up. Jackson Sermon tries to scoop it up. He kicks it over to a Beaver defensive back who runs in and scores UW down 07-946 on the clock. Okay, that's how we start the season. Now, the rest of the first half, running game takes over. 160 rushing yards, three rushing TDs. Sean McGrew went for 21. Kamari Pleasant gets a 15-yard touchdown. Dylan Morris on the keeper. But the other story, the other story, Really horrible kickoff coverage leading to outstanding starting position for the Oregon State Beavers and really inability to stuff the Beaver run when we had to. Look at the series for Jamar Jefferson. 17, 7, 16, 10. Those are his attempts. Those are his rushing yards. Touchdown first half ends 24-21 Huskies. Third quarter was ugly. Dogs engineer a solid 75-yard drive. Peyton Henry misses a 28-yard chip shot. Again, the third the third field goal he's missed since last season and this season, all three against the Beavers. Beavers engineer a solid drive, but go for it on fourth and one, and U-Dubs, wow, on a really horrible spot, I'll admit it, turns over on downs. 
UW pads the leave with a 52-yard drive and a nice field goal, 27-21. But with 145 left, we have to punt, and the Beavs are driving for the win. Game ends with an Asa Turner interception. Huskies, 27-21. But there is so much more to the story. We saw the game. Now let's paint both sides. If you're going to buy the stock, UW FB, ticker symbol. Are we buying long shares? Give me the bull case from what you saw, Mitch. What is the bull case for the 2020 Washington Huskies football team from what you've seen? Great question, BT. So, you know, as you mentioned, they surrendered 167 rushing yards, almost five yards of carry, right? And two rushing touchdowns, right? And so on the surface, you're like, ooh, I'm not so sure about this. But let's remember that two of their bland starters, Tuli Leitulagasanoa and Leitulatu, were both out of this game. Okay. Potentially out for the season. Scary, right? Yes. Like, you know, and, and we're not sure uh, because of the cone of silence around Husky football with Jimmy Lake. Gosh, we thought there was a cone of silence with Coach Pete, but Jimmy's oh, really level. trying to take it to another level, right? Yeah. And you hear the guys on Dogman grouse about it all the time. It's hilarious. Um, so, um, you know, you, you hope, you know, you hope one or one or both of those guys get back at some point in time. But there's a lot of guys that had to step up. In comes Zion to pull up day two, right? Redshirt sophomore had four tackles and a pair of strip sacks named Pac-12 defensive lineman of the week. All right. That's a younger guy that's stepping up. You expect him to kind of get better as the as the season goes on. And then you got to talk about Eddie Olufushio, 10 tackles, nine solo, right? So Boy, Eddie really has stood up, stood up in that, um, you know, kind of continued what he was doing at the end of last year, and you, and you expect that to continue. And then I think you also look at the defense and the secondary with Trent McDuffie, um, you know, really holding down that, um, you know, one of those corner spots. Keith Taylor on the other side. I don't know if you guys saw, but there was one pl- play where Keith Taylor gave a um, uh, a Beaver receiver a little love tap out of bounds, and it, it looked like an NFL corner knocking. Uh, running back out out of bounds, right? Oh, and Mitch <laughs> loved himself some Keith Taylor. <laughs> yeah. loved, I mean, it's loved. a crush. <laughs> the man crush. What's not to love? Yeah, and then and then you hear you know about Elijah Molden in everybody's ear, right? Like coaching that secondary up. So I I think that secondary is going to be as advertised, and I do think that um, linebacker core and the defensive line is going to improve from this game. Um, and they're going to need to because they're going to they're going to they're going to need to play better. Then on the offense side of the ball, look at I believe um, Jimmy wearing kind of a statement um, hat at uh, yesterday's press conference. Run the damn ball on his uh, ball cap that he's wearing. Hmm. Let's kind of see what this kind of year has got in store, right? So you know we were all kind of squinting at the whole Kamari Pleasant thing. Um, I think they're kind of serious about really rotating four backs. In there with Sean McGrew, Kamari Pleasant, Richard Newton, um, and uh, maybe Cameron Davis. Um, we'll see maybe a little bit more of. Um, but, you know, I, I thought Sean McGrew looked great. And, you know, their game plan in the second half um, was to clearly gr- grind down the Beavers, which is why they went to Kamari and Richard. Um, you know, you kind of hope maybe they'll sprinkle in a little more, um, you know, kind of. Um, you know, diversity maybe in, in each possession, um, give, give Sean a couple more, um, carries, but he ends up the, 
with on the night um, with nine carries for 91 yards and a TD. And guys, what did he have? Maybe one or two carries in the second half? Maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I mean, I was I was, um, you know, very um, happy with the way that the offensive line played and really leaned on on the Beavers and those running backs, I thought, looked pretty darn good. Um, and then let's talk about, you know, Dylan Morris, Demo. Um, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag here. Uh, I, I thought he was putting the ball on his receivers. And um, I'll talk about the receivers in a second. Um, you know, I think his challenge is going to be, you know, he's not the tallest guy in the world. And so it was unfortunate to see, a, a, you know, kind of several of his passes batted down. I think yep. he's going to have to manage that a little bit better, um, be a little smarter, almost be kind of like a um, um, a Drew Brees where he's getting that ball out really quickly or different angles to, to you know, compensate for his size. Um, and you got to wonder about Kevin Thompson on the sideline and street clothes um, on what, you know, how that plot's going to play out. But I thought Demo did just fine considering he was a, you know, uh, a redshirt freshman um, starting in his very first Husky opener in a torrential downpour at times. And mm. his receivers really didn't do him any favors um, with several drop balls, two drop touchdowns, um, if I counted correctly. And I'll end there. Um, I think the receivers, I got to just play better, you know, quite frankly. I mean, there, there's so much talent in that room. I'm going to kind of write this game off with the conditions, maybe being a little tight coming out, dropping some balls. But if these guys don't get better, I really hope my bull case here is that we get a really quick hook for some of these guys and get other guys in there that are talent. There's enough talent in that room to get the guys into the game that are going to actually catch the ball and, and, and move the chains. Um, and so that's my, my overall bull case on the receivers to say, you know, it's, time for some guys to step up and if not i want to see a, a a quicker hook on some of these guys to get more talent out there i love it can i add to the bull case yes why i think you should again why i think uwfb is a great stock pick right now uh those are great i mean as you mentioned secondary pff had them as the number one secondary in the country um you know how about this the return game if we're yeah. gonna talk, we're gonna. I know, I, I know. Law Dog is gonna get into special teams in the Bear case, Trent. But the return game, Trent McDuffie, man, forty-five yard return. You know, yep. I mean, he was a, he was a machine. Um, the other thing I would say, uh, you know, a couple other points of why I think. Look, I think the Huskies overcame the biggest disadvantage that they could have. The biggest improvement you ever make is what they say from your first to second game, right? Oregon yes. State had that advantage. We did not. And we're a missed chip shot and a long snap blunder away from this thing being 30-14. And we don't even have a bear case to talk about, right? Right, right And, and right. Look, look what happened to Cal. Yeah. What happened to Cal missing a first game played at UCLA? I mean, that's the, the biggest, I think. And the other thing I would say as well is why I think there's a good tonight for a bull case. My, in my opinion, the Pac-12 is still wide open. Every single team looks beatable. This isn't like, let's look back. Yeah. 2016 Washington, 2010 Oregon, 2003 to 2005 USC. Those teams looked unbeatable for at least half the season. No team, every team has holes. Every team has holes this year. Every team looks beatable, and I think Washington could be in the mix. That, that's it, the only thing I'd want to add for the bull case. Law Dog, anything else for the bull case before, before we get into the Bears? Well, BT, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the I'm gonna make the the Bear case, and uh, and I'm gonna use. Your own words against you. I'm going to pull a law dog maneuver on you right here. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Um, <laughs> when when Mitch is saying that our quarterback is a mixed bag, I think that right there 
<laughs> tells you that, that we've got some problems at quarterback. And I mean, I think that's really what you saw on Saturday. I mean, look, I, I, I don't, I don't agree with everything I'm about to say here. I'm not going to say that, uh, none of these things can be fixed over the course of a season, but I mean, you saw some cracks in the foundation that Chris Peterson built here at Washington, I think that emerged on Saturday night. So I, I think these are going to be some things to watch. So, you know, everyone loved to complain about Jake Browning in 20, but we're talking about the 2020 Huskies here, right? In 2016, Jake Browning was a Heisman contender. But in 2015, they were very hesitant to throw the ball down the field. They they did those little run like swing passes, passes into the flats, heavy on the running game. Yep. And said, "Break Jake Browning, beat us down the field." Well, you know that took I'd say probably ten games before that team really start to figure it out. Right? It, they were four and six, Browning threw three picks at ASU, and then. They went on that strong finish, and we kind of knew 2016 would be a great season, right? But uh, we don't have 10 games here to let Dylan Morris figure these things out. And I think if you saw the deep balls that he was throwing the other night, I mean, we have seen the way to beat the Huskies now, right? You're going to stack the box, you're going to load it up front, and you're going to say, Dylan Morris beat us down the field. That's something these coaches just don't seem to want to try to do. They don't trust him to do it. The fact that they've been shopping all offseason for quarterbacks tells you um, what the tape doesn't tell you. And so, I, yeah, I'm a little nervous about this on the quarterback side. Um, you know, I want to give him some slack. That was just his first game in the pouring rain, and his receivers, obviously, as you mentioned, didn't help him out with three or four drops. But, Mitch, uh, you know, I don't know if you wanted to add the drops into the into the bull case, but <laughs> to me that was a concern. These guys were supposed to be um, – you know, these guys were supposed to be our saving grace on the offensive side, and they just really disappointed on Saturday. And, you know, maybe you think, hey, they didn't have time to work with a quarterback um, in the offseason, build that rapport, whatever it was, they just it did not seem to be in sync. So you had I, I, what Ty and Rome dropped TDs. Puka and Terrell had bad drops. Puka fumbled, had a fumble, but he picked it up, right? Mm-hmm. And what concerns me is, like I said, you know, if teams are going to stack the box, roll it up front and really pressure, you know, put that pressure on you. If you're in a conservative play calling mode, passing into the flats, all that stuff, you just have no room for error, right? Penalties kill you. Drops kill you. Sacks kill you. You just have removed your margin for error when you cannot throw the ball down the field. So I, I think that this is something that is going to be. Uh, very concerning. And, and yeah, like, I mean, not to linger too long on the drops, but I mean, in crucial, crucial situations, right? Third downs in the, in the red zone, things like that. Um, and to me, I, I look at the run the damn ball as maybe a bit of a weakness, not necessarily strength. I think Jimmy Lake, you know, seemed to be like all excited about the power running game and all that. Well, we were promised John Donovan was going to be aggressive and throw the ball down the field. And yet Jack Westover got three carries in this game. Uh, (laughs) So I I am a little concerned that we're running an I formation in a, you know, shotgun four receiver world. Um, You know, I don't, Jimmy Lake, we've talked about this. He needs, you know, this offense and he needs this offensive coordinator hire to work. Otherwise his leash is going to get pretty short. And, uh, you know, I just, I didn't see a lot of hope that this is going to be, um, a super aggressive offense. Now he came out on Monday and said, Hey, we're going to take what teams give us. If they give, if they're giving us the deep ball, we're going to take it. Okay. Well then Dylan Morris needs to connect on a few of those, um, before, 
teams are going to take it too seriously. So you, you yeah. know who's going to fix that, Law Dog? Coach Curse. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, maybe you need a guy like that. I don't know. Um, I think that I, I think the Huskies just, you know, they came out and they didn't look like a team that was kind of ready to start Pac-12 play, right? And I think that's to be expected. But, you know, you guys talked about, hey, Cal went out there and got shelled in their first game. Well, look at Arizona. Arizona had a week. Yeah, that's uh, fair. USC was playing, and they almost took it to USC, and they beat them. And they're coming into our house next week. So, you know, we don't have time anymore. We've lost that margin for error like I was talking about. So, um, okay, defensively, I want to say I did agree with a lot of what Mitch said. I think you look at the linebackers and I've, I am resting easy when it comes to linebacker play. I mean, last season that was a completely black hole. And now you guys, you have a Ulofosio ZTF. I mean, we've got Savelle Smalls who's only playing in his first game. I mean, you see the talent there. I think we're going to be fine, but you have to be concerned about this running uh, defense. I mean, we have been spoiled all these years. Vita Vea, Greg Gaines, even Levi on Muzurike. Those guys could command a double team and still clog the middle and they're all gone. And, you know, we kind of said, Hey, there's going to be a stable of guys coming through. Well, now we've got no Thule potentially no Latu potentially. I mean, you know, not a lot of teams are going to survive and we're talking about the next five games here, right? We're not talking about, uh, we're not talking about three years from now or two years from now. We're talking about the next five games. How many teams are going to survive with their third stringers up there? Uh, and, and Oregon state is not the worst running team in the conference, but they just laid out the script for everybody else on how to beat us, right? They're just going to gut us up the middle until we can stop it. And if we don't figure it out, um, you know, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, and, and, and for, as much as I love ZTF and how great he was um, on Saturday, Lafoscio, he was awesome. Those guys were really awesome in passing situations, right? The strip sacks, Lafoscio with all the the pass breakups. We just don't have that heat-seeking missile in the run game like BBK. Um, so that's something I'm worried about. And I mean, we don't need to belabor the point on special teams, but I will just say, Bob Gregory. I mean, this is the potentially the second out of the last three years that this is potentially an awful special teams unit. I mean, it looked awful on Saturday. And granted, we don't judge them all after one game, but I mean, look, going back to 2018, this was an awful special teams unit in the returns, or sorry, in the kick coverage game punk coverage. in particular, punk coverage. And so maybe McDuffie is a great answer at punt return. I thought he looked awesome, right? Um, but I, I, the kick coverage is just like an ongoing concern. And we kind of like put a finger in the dike last year and it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. I mean, I'm concerned that this is three years in a row where we're kind of average to well below average. And, 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 you know, we gave Oregon state a big head start right after we had taken a two score lead in the second quarter and they marched down the field. So, um, Tim Horn's trying to put those into the end zone. And I think part of it was the weather where he couldn't. But on one of the Champ Fleming runs back, you could see – I had a really nice view. And you could see right when Timmy Horn hit it, you could see him squint like, oh, man. Like he knew he didn't get all of it. And and Fleming picked it up on the five and and with not enough air and, 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 um, uh, and time to get down there. And Fleming's fast, man. He took off. But that – I mean that, that to me is – you can't do that. Yeah, and I mean, 
part of this is, look, good coaches can make these adjustments. We can figure some of these things yep. out. Maybe yep. you change your scheme. Like Mitch said, I hope they do have a quick hook when it comes to some of these guys, particularly on special teams. You got five games left on the season or four games. Um, let's see a quick hook. You know, we don't have a lot of time to figure it out. Like, you know, you lose a guy for, on an injury for a month. He's gone for the season now. So you're going to have injuries. You're going to have guys that go out like what we're already seeing. Um, if a guy's not performing, I mean, let's give somebody else a chance. Everybody's coming back next year. Everybody's getting a red shirt. Um, so I, you know, I think they can fix some of this stuff, but they're going to need to be very aggressive and on top of it to do that. They can't just, um, you know, roll the same guys out there and, and, you know, in all these different situations. If I can add into the the bear case, um, all, all good, all good points. Problems we had last year. Coming up again, red zone and efficiency. Yep. Five trips down in the red zone, two TDs, two, two touchdowns. Goals. I mean, you know, it's tough. So we were ninth last year in that category. Ninth isn't going to get it done. Uh, another weird thing, the running backs, they either look to wear down as time went on, or maybe it was just that they knew we were going to run the ball in the fourth, but um, averaging nine yards a carry in the first quarter and under four yards in the fourth. And they and and, can, and I, can I can not get the ball in McGrew. Yeah. McGrew. Uh, I mean, look, Pleasant earned the starting job. He got the start, but you, you mentioned it. He came out there on those first couple drives and it was, you know, like eh, one, it was all right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it, whatever you gave the ball to Sean McGrew and he looked awesome. No running back should have gotten another carry until he was, the Beavers are proving that they could have stopped him or he needed a breather. You know what yeah. I mean? That's yep. what riding the hot hand is. If you're going to ride a committee, right? You're going to give all these guys opportunities. Part of that is if a guy's got a hot hand and he's figured out a defense or he's having a good night, you let you roll with it. I mean, that just was driving me crazy on Saturday night. Dude, nine Huskies got at least one rush. Yeah. That and Richard, something I've seen in a long time, man. And Richard Newton led the team with 15 carries and was probably the worst out of the three of them. We would have said a week ago, Hey, he's our starter. So I'm not saying don't give him the ball anymore. But the point of a of a hot hand approach like that is to stick with the guy who's hot. Yeah, if I can add one more thing, this is tough. And and and, and again, um, look, Jimmy Lake won his first game. Um, we're one and zero, so let's you know let's not go too nuts here, and hopefully he can fix this out. We've had other years where we started off with some stinkers and and pulled it together. Uh, youth, half the players, 110 players on this Husky team. 54 are freshmen or redshirt freshmen. That's 54. 11 seniors. Yeah. It is a lot like that 2015 team where you had a lot of really young guys. You had just lost a stable of like a Danny Shelton's and Shaq Thompson's of the world. And, and you were kind of reloading and you know, they, it took a while to get it figured out. No one's saying this team can't, doesn't have the talent, can't figure it out. Can't go to a bowl. Can't be awesome next year. But it, it, from what you see, I mean, you've only got five games to kind of right the ship. You just barely beat the, one of the worst teams in the conference. Yeah, you, you know, Law Dog, you said one other thing that's really interesting is this year is a freebie. It's kind of a free pass, right? So, like, we should absolutely have a short hook on a lot of this. I want to see a lot of these guys. And if somebody's not, you know, kind of performing at the level that's expected, like, next man up right away. Because there's nothing really to lose from a scholarship perspective. 
and you're you're gonna yep. need all of these guys. I mean, mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna need. There's gonna be injuries. You're you're gonna need people. You know, this is conference play. We we don't have any warm up act. I mean, we just got nope. we barely escaped the warm up act. So now we got to turn <laughs> our attention to the rest of the season. And I so I totally agree with that. But you know what? I I don't want to leave it all like I'm just all negative. Uh, I mean, BT, I got the assignment for the for the bear case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there was plenty to be excited about, including the secondary, like Mitch said, the linebacker play, uh, the offensive line. I thought looked really good. Um, you know, and we know the, ta- the receivers have talent and, and Demo is getting his first start. I mean, I, I think you talked about game one to game two. I, I can't wait to see Demo in game two against Arizona. Let's see what he can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And again, as we said, we're two silly special teams away from this thing being 30, 14. Uh, and that's probably not having a much shorter conversation for this. And at the, at the end of the day, I think, you know, on our podcast, we try to keep a positive spin. Anything that we say on the negative is probably the exact same thing that they're saying in the coach's room. Things that they're trying to clean up this week and get and get better at. Um, oh, absolutely, BT. I guarantee you a lot of what we say is showing up in the coach's room. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and not super pretty. Um, guys, should we, let's pack this one away and put it up as a as a win. Um, and get on to week two. Um, this week, 5 p.m. Saturday on Big Fox, UW hosts the Wildcats of Arizona. UW with a 22 to 11 lifetime winning record. We haven't lost since 2014 in Tucson. If you remember that horrible, that was a bad no, Don't talk about it. Second fumble by our good friend Deontay Cooper, who we love. That was such a tough one. Uh, but, but look, besides that, man, we've dominated this series as as of recently. But let's get into the Arizona preview. And, and from that, we're going to bring on our good friend, Bryant Conger uh, from Wildcat Radio, from 12-Pack Radio. Now, um, he hosted us last year. So last time we saw him, we were down in University of Arizona in Tucson, tailgating in the area called the Mall, enjoying some tacos from uh, El Huero Canelo. And remember those great uh, boozy Slurpees from EG's that we enjoyed there? Uh, Wonderful. Just a, just a great tailgate, incredibly good host. We were hoping we would be hosting him and his crew up uh, this year, uh, but it's for not. We're going to be watching it on TV. So let's hear from Bryant Conger. Bryant's going to give us the bull case for this year's Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, I, I, I would, I would, I would buy stock in Arizona, um, mostly because it's like at the Arcos Dorados, like four dollars, you know, a, a share right now. Um, it, <laughs> And, and it's one of the things that we've been talking about on, on 12 pack radio in particular, it's been the um, it's been the, the expectations for Arizona were too low. Uh, and, and there's a couple of reasons why I think the first is uh, Khalil Tate isn't the quarterback anymore. And a lot of people remember Tate as being the guy that, you know, burst on the scene, ran for 300 yards and passed all over Colorado. Um, it, he regressed the, the next year and made a lot of really, um, questionable decisions running backwards out of bounds rather than throwing the ball away on multiple occasions being being the first one that comes to mind uh, mm-hmm. and, and just really didn't go through his reads. I mean, that was the reason Rich Rodriguez didn't have him as the starting quarterback for Arizona. So I think that like, you know, like the, the evidence a is the quarterback. Now you have Grant Cannell, uh, a guy that is used to Noel Mazzoni's system who played pretty well against an interesting secondary from USC and one of the things that, that really stood out for me in this first game, because we've seen him play before, he played backup duty for Arizona, but really went through his reads. 
And if you take a look at Arizona's box score, you'll see like Tavian Cunningham, 115 yards, Stanley Berryhill. Those weren't the one and two receivers. Those were the slot guys in the third and fourth option. And he was able to get those guys in space and, and really put them in a position to gain significant yards. I think that's the first thing. Second thing would be on the defense. Arizona's defense was a mess last year. It was just awful. We can, we can tackle. We couldn't uh, tackle uh, for yards for loss. We couldn't stop the pass. We didn't do anything. It was like a, a sub 90 defense. Well, uh, someone went out and actually made some really smart hires. And it, it, it's not the younger guys. It's not the up and coming coaches. He got a lot of old hands, like from New Mexico. And uh, you know, like these guys that have been coaching their unit for 14, 15, 20 years. Um, he did that on, on the linebackers. He did that with the defensive line. He went out and got a secondary coach that actually was quite good from USC. And so now you got these guys that aren't quite not going to bring in the horses, but what they are going to be going to, the idea was they were going to be built up and be able to just be able to play better. And I, I saw that immediately. The first thing that stood out for me in that USC game was like, Oh wow, they could tackle and they're actually in the right spot. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, that was just, if you're an Arizona fan, that was incredibly encouraging because that was the worst part of Arizona um, last year was just no ability to stop anybody at all. And, uh, and they brought in a couple of grad transfers on the defensive line. The secondary looks okay. Um, you know, is, is this a top 25 defense? No, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a bottom 90. And I think that's, that's a reason to buy Arizona mm -hmm. because the price is so low. Okay. Like it. I thought they looked really good against USC. Obviously, it really surprised some people. Um, now, give me the other side of that. Give me the bear case for, for Zona. If you want to sell, um, what things concerned you in that first game that you saw? Yeah, the, one other thing I should mention, too, on the buy is the offensive line. Like, Arizona returns its entire offensive line with That's a pretty right. decent coach, and it's a cohesive unit. So th they're going to be able to move the ball on the ground a little bit. I mean, again, it's not a Oregon. Uh, <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. I still think Oregon's all freshman offensive line against Arizona. But flipping over the bear side, um, I think there's a couple things. The first is Arizona does not have the horses um, to, to keep up with an elite team. And, uh, and I wouldn't put USC, no offense to USC fans, but I wouldn't put them in an elite uh, team perspective this year, just based on the last two games that they've had. I think they've uh, really shown why they need a new head coach. Um, mm -hmm. But Arizona's secondary is fine. Um, you know, we're starting a, a true freshman uh, in the inside of the linebacker position, which uh, could be worrisome. The Arizona lost Colin Schooler and Tony Fields, two linebackers that have played for three years. Uh, I think both of them were freshman All-Americans. I would push back, though, and say, like, it's easy. It's not easy to be a freshman All-American. I would never be a freshman All-American. But if you're mm -hmm. on the field as a true freshman uh, every play of the game and you get, like, 90 tackles, you're probably going to be a freshman All-American regardless of where those tackles are. Whether yeah, that's interesting. Backfield yep. or, or 10 years behind you, you know, 10 yards behind you, you're, you're going to. And I think that was the, the issue with uh, Schooler and Fields. I think, look, I, I would love to have had them in this system with this coaching staff and they're, they're gone. Um, I would argue that they were out of position a lot when it came to uh, covering that middle of the field, something I think mm -hmm. maybe Washington fans are, are kind of familiar with having <laughs> yeah. yeah. a run down the middle. Um, so they're gone. And now you have a true freshman um, in Anthony Pandy, uh, who's, who's pretty good. Uh, and, and, but they're still unproven. So I, if I were a Washington fan, I would uh, take a look and see whether or not you can really probe that center of position. The second thing is depth. I think if anybody goes down that, on that defensive line um, in the secondary that's starting, 
Uh, it may be the corners. I wouldn't say the secondary, but the corners. I think Arizona is in a really bad spot where they just haven't been able to recruit mm-hmm. and bring up this next level of people, particularly in the middle of the pandemic, uh, where it's really hard to bring people up to a new system. We have a new defensive coordinator. Um, I, I think another bull, uh, bear case would be you know, Paul Rhodes is the new defensive coordinator at Arizona. He's going to be better than Marcel Yates, I think, because uh, most people are better than Marcel Yates. Although, if you ask mm-hmm. Oregon fans, if things could get any worse and they get Brady Hoke, you never know. Uh, but, yep. yeah, I, I, I do think that Rhodes, there were some issues with Rhodes at UCLA. His secondaries weren't very good, and, and he was kind of known as somebody that was, he coached the secondary there. Um, so, coming over to Arizona, I think there's a, a, a world that we live in where the, the defense um, is, is better, but it's not great. And teams are going to be able to score on the Cats. Uh, and, and really, it's going to be up to whether or not Gunnell, uh, who's still fairly new, is going to be able to um, put up points. I think another bear case would be Arizona's wide receivers. I like Jamari Joyner. I think he's pretty good. Um, he's like the 6'3", big guy. He was actually a quarterback uh, for Arizona. But now he's in the slot. And I was like, I don't know about that. And he's actually pretty good, <laughs> like, you know. Um, yep. But if you take a look, and I've talked about this on 12-pack radio, one of, the, one of the worries is, you know, Arizona had recruited a couple four-star bigger guys, and they, haven't, uh, they hadn't break in, broken the roster in, like, the last two years. So we still had a lot of, like, 5'9", 5'10", you know, like, two-star, walk-on type of guys that were starting at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And, and they're fine. But when you bring in these bigger guys that come in with more pedigree and they don't crack the roster as a freshman or a sophomore, you kind of go, hmm. But, you know, what, what, what are these players? Are, are they busts? Are they just not quite what they were, you know, uh, were supposed to be? And, and when I was watching that USC game, I think this is something that, that I think is really going to be a problem for Arizona against uh, Washington. Um, Arizona's top two receivers on, on the side, like, just did not blow the top off. Like, I think everything that Gannell was throwing was underneath. Um, kind of similar to how Morris's, like, you know, passes mostly yeah, underneath. Yeah. He didn't have a lot of burners there. Um, so I think it's it's kind of like that Spider-Man meme where we're pointing at each other, like, you know, oh, you, your inside linebackers might think, oh, your inside linebackers, right, uh, right. and with the wide receivers. But obviously, you know, Washington has more talent elsewhere. But, like, that's kind of the bear case for, for Arizona where you have these weaknesses, but all the other areas, are are they're fine. They're not elite. You know, we're not recruiting at the level of Oregon or Washington or USC. We're just getting guys that are okay. And um, and if, if there's any crack in the armor, I think the team um, – could could fall apart, but but this is a better team than last year. Just looking at that first game, um, it, because we have a competent offense finally, because we have a quarterback that's making their reads. Like I don't, I can't explain to you how much better that is. Uh, if you're Arizona fan, last thing, and uh, uh, and we'll see whether or not this is the case. I don't know if this is a bull or a bear case, but Arizona special teams last year were a train wreck, just mm-hmm. awful, like embarrassing, embarrassing. Um, I don't, and, and they were fine against USC. I'd like to see a few more games of that because we're talking like 25 chunk yard plays, either games, you know, giving up the punt return or kicking the ball 25 yards shorter than should go because it shanks off to the side of the guy's leg. So, uh, you know, I, I think that could be a problem too if Arizona goes, if it kind of uh, regresses to the norm uh, on special teams. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like that, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, I was, uh, I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I'm pretty optimistic about an okay season. Like everybody said Arizona was going to be like, Oh, and six. And the rails were, you know, the train was going off the rails. We we've pushed back on that consistently on the podcast. I think it's a team that isn't going to challenge for the Pac-12 South. It's probably not going to win three games, 
but they're going to be competitive in basically every game that they play, um, particularly w- against teams that have limited offenses, um, uh, because I think they'll be able to put up the points to stay in those games. Can our, our listeners find you if they want to learn more about the Wildcats and just all, all about the Pac-12? Yeah, I, I think we have the best freaking Pac-12 podcast out there. Um, you know, not not team specific, of course, conference specific. Uh, 12 Pack Radio, you can find us on any podcast catcher. Um, like you mentioned, we have uh, advanced statistics. We have uh, w- William Hills Max Meyer. He's part of the largest sportsbook in the world and focuses on the Pac-12. So um, we, we get the advanced stats plus kind of like those, oh, uh, you know, like, you know, Washington State's coming off of a bye week and now they got to play on Friday and the Colt, like that kind of stuff really matters mm-hmm. when you're gambling. And yeah. Max is amazing at that. And all he does is focus on the Pac-12 uh, when it comes to college football. He does other stuff too, obviously, but like really his heart is in this conference. So we really do know, know it back and forth. Oh, that's great. Excellent. Well, too bad we can't host you this weekend. We'll get you back. Uh, we owe you one. And thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. No, no problem. Uh, good, good luck this week. All right. So as we heard from Brian Conger there, the bull case for Zona, quarterback play under Gunnell. Um, he really liked what he did. And I think people got felt like there was going to be a big drop off between Khalil Tate and, 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 and Gunnell, but he played quite well. Um, defense. Defense improved significantly. The only one way to go open up, but someone hired a bunch of older defensive coaches, as he talked about. Um, they tackled. D-line played really well. The entire offensive line returns. Gary Brightwell had a good game, uh, but the bear case for Arizona. So this was tough. You know, look, they lost Colin Schooler. They lost Tony Fields. So a lot of, of young faces that they saw there, no depth at all in the defensive line. Um so they got Paul Rhodes as a defensive coordinator, maybe a, a step up for Marcel Yates, but really struggled, uh, has or has struggled in the past. Um, and and look, in the end, they're going to have to put up a lot of points because the, de- the de- defense is going to give up a lot of points. And wide receivers, I think, struggled a little bit as well. All their A lot of their four-star wide receivers haven't um, panned out. So they got a lot. They don't have a lot of height, a lot of 5'8", 5'9", guys playing wide receiver. But at the end of the day, they gave USC all they could handle and almost came away with a win. Guys, what do we need to see from this dog's team to get the win this week? Oh boy, where to start? Um, well, uh, let's start with our offense. Um, I think we're going to have to be a lot more dynamic. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see to to Law Dogs analysis whether Arizona stacks the box, and which I think we all expect them to do, and whether the Huskies can can get off on their front foot offensively, right? Um, and then I think, you know, if, if you're Arizona, you're probably going to be trying to run the ball, right? Um, like we had mentioned, um, you know, and so can the Husky linebackers and the defensive linemen find a way to um, um, kind of slow down that Arizona attack, which, you know, looked formidable, right? Gannell looked really good. He completed 67% of his passes through for 286 yards with three touchdowns. That's all through the air that I'm mentioning. I think our secondary is better than USC's secondary, quite frankly. So I think it'll be a different type of game. So those are the two units that I'm really looking at um, from, from my point of view. Yeah, I think we're going to have a tough time. I I think we're going to have a tough time with Gunnell. Um, He's really mobile. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the conference, I think. I I mean, based on what we've seen after one week. I mean, and and that is a commentary on the kind of the dip in quality we've seen in the quarterbacks in the conference overall. But but I think Gunnell uh, is going to be a real weapon. And we saw last year... um, 
that Arizona, I mean, they really hung with us. They really stuck it to us in the first half. And that game was very much in doubt, except for, you know, a couple of a few key turnovers um, in that game that really just kind of blew it open. Um, and so I, I think that the the focus on Morris and the and the the coaches, I guess, preference for Morris is is good in the sense that they think he's the guy who can protect the ball. Um, if they think he's the best guy to do that, I think that's a good reason to make him the starter. And uh, I hope that we see that this week because I, I think this is a type of game that can, you know, we saw what happened with one high snap kind of kept Oregon state in a game all night that they shouldn't have necessarily been that close in that game. That, that shouldn't have been that drive shouldn't have been for the win at the end of that game. And so turnovers really matter. And, and, you know, one thing you look at Arizona, he's, he was talking about, you know, kind of some of the youth and especially on the D line, they also did not get a sack. They did not sack the quarterback. They did not get a turnover against USC. So they did all of that basically without getting that key play. If we can keep them from getting that key play against us, then I'm going to like our chances. Yeah, I think this one's going to be an interesting one. Uh, looks to be, and we'll see. It could be a cold and dry day, and uh, that's typically not wildcat weather. Uh, but let's see, guys. All right, rubber meets the road. Last ten, the Huskies are six and four against Zona and six and four against the spread as well. Last year, again, we talked about it was the side of the Dog Pod Road Show. Remember, we were um, down at half and then blew them away in the second, fifty-one twenty-seven. This year, UW is minus eleven. The over-under 53, so Vegas says 32-21 Huskies. How say you, gentlemen? I think that's really tough for us. Without seeing better performance out of this offense, I think we're going to cover double-digit spreads right now. I just, you know, to me, I'd probably take Arizona on the points, but I try not to bet on Washington games. Um, But... I just, I have a tough time seeing that with that said, I do think the Huskies will win this game because I just, I, again, we fall back on that defense. Brightwell is a big problem, um, that we're going to have to figure out how to stop. But like you said, BT game one to game two, the runs fits will be better. And I think we can hang on with a good defensive game. Yep. I think so. Yeah. It feels like a 28, 21 kind of thing to me with the dogs, um, you know, prevailing, but it's going to be tight. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see this thing being a little bit of a tighter a tighter win this year, but I think the Huskies do, and, and really even improve from week one to week two, and then we'll see what type of team we're, what team we're talking about going into week three. Um, let's get that win, guys. So we talk about the rest of the Pac-12 schedule real quick. Um, the rest of the day starts off Cal at the Beavers, 1230 on FS1. Cal put up a dud, 10 to 34 against UCLA. We talked about the Beavers are 0-2. Okay, so somebody's got to get a win here, man. Um, look, Look, they're back. They want this. If you think about this, the rivalry, it's kind of crazy. 38-34 in favor of Cal, but they split the last 10 meetings at five apiece. And if you remember this last year when Cal was uh, playing well, Beavers beat them up last year, 21-17 in an ugly win in Berkeley. Vegas opened up at Cal minus seven. Okay? So this is before the Cal game. Dropped all the way down to three and a half. Over under 49. So Vegas wants this thing 26-23 for the Cal Bears. Coin toss historically five and five against the spread, five and five straight up in the last ten. How say you guys? Who are you taking? It's tough to get excited about this Cal team uh, after how badly they looked against UCLA. And let me just say, Chase Garvers. I mean, we we're talking about 
you know, the dearth of talent at quarterback. He was supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks yep. in the in the conference. Um, and you look, he was about 50% passing, 122 yards and a pick. I mean, that's not against a great offense, by the way. And we should mention, I mean, they found out they were playing UCLA, what, Thursday? <laughs> Friday? Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, you know, you kind of throw some of this out the window. But uh, it's tough to get excited about Cal. And based on what I saw at Oregon State running the ball, uh, you know, at home, I mean, I mean I'm going to go with some cool. underdogs this week. Yeah. You know, Jonathan Smith's got a breakthrough at some point, right? right. Uh, kind of root for the guy, um, and so I, I, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave on the beeps, lean on the beeps this weekend. All three of us, all three of us are going beeps. All right, UCLA at Oregon, Time and Channel TBD, Oregon two and zero with wins against Wazoo and Stanford. UCLA with that loss to surprising uh, Colorado, but looked solid against Cal on Sunday. UCLA with a historic 39-29 lifetime advantage, but Oregon has owned this one lately, winning eight of the last ten including convincing 41-21 win and the return of Chip Kelly to Eugene. Oregon also 8-2 and two against the spread, so big spreads, and they've been covering. Vegas says Ducks by 14, over-under of 66. They want this thing 40-26 Oregon. How say you, gentlemen? Yeah, I think Oregon That's wins a- this. Yeah, I, just, I, I think that spread's pretty large, although, man, watching Oregon against Wazoo for a bit, I, Oregon's got its gaps too. Right. Uh, Wazoo was moving the ball on them um, for sure. Um, I, I think Oregon wins it, but I'm going to I'm going to think it's a little bit tighter. I'm going to call it Oregon by a touchdown and I'll take the under 66.5. OK. I, I, yeah, I, I am going to go totally the other way here. I'm taking the uh-huh. over. This is going to be the biggest shootout ever. <laughs> um, UCLA, I, you know, I can make fun of Chip Kelly all I want because he's one of the big jerks in the world but um the one thing he does is they do put up points and dtr and ucla they've been putting up a lot of points in these first two weeks so um i i like them to get four or more touchdowns in this game um i i do think oregon is poised to win the game and so but uh, but give me ucla on the points on this one okay i'm gonna take ucla i'm gonna take the over as well on this ASU canceled. CU is looking for an opponent. Um, I heard like Ole Miss they were talking about. They were talking about UNLV. Uh, Let's see who they can pick up, which would be just just incredible. Um, You know, and and next year, let's remember that when like Larry Scott and everyone's like, all right, Rich, scheduling's impossible. It's a five-month process. You're like, well, remember last year when you slotted in a team from um, Mississippi and three days? Five days notice. (laughs) Yeah, let's, 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 and we just, we just all of a sudden are playing college football games on a Sunday with three days notice. Apparently not that hard. Um, SC at Utah. I'm really excited. Finally, we get to see Utah play. 7.30 on ESPN. Um, SC 2-0, neither convincing. Utah yet to play. SC with a historic 12-6 advantage. They've split the last six. Um, the home team winning each one of those. Utah six and four against the spread. Vegas says USC minus three. I, you know this is so hard because you know you don't see a team at all in Utah, right? Like you have no idea what how they're going to look, how they're going to come out. You know, we just saw the Huskies look sloppy in their opener. Ditto with Cal. Um, I, I think Utah's at a real disadvantage here from a perspective of USC's had two games now. You know, and so from that perspective, I think USC is going to win this game just because they they're going to be sharper naturally. Right. Um, And, you know, I have no idea about the over and under over and under over or under. But um, I'm taking SC. Yeah. And I I, I just 
they're they're going to disappoint us all season. The Trojans. I mean, they they just don't play up to their potential really ever under Clay Helton. But they pull these out at the end. I don't know how they do it, and uh, I think they'll probably pull one out against Utah. So I'm I'm with Mitch on this. Yeah, I I think look that is this the year they break the curse uh, or where the the an away team finally gets a win? I don't know. Um, that it. All things considered, I I would definitely give the nod to Utah here, but playing their first game of the year, I got to give it to SC. Uh, that's awesome. All right, Wazoo at Stanford, eight, 8 p.m. on FS1. Stanford now 0 2. Wazoo 1 and 1. Historically, Stanford has had the 40 to 29 advantage, but the Cougs have won the last four, including a 49 22 beatdown in Pullman last year. Wazoo also 7 2 and 1 against the spread in the last 10. Stanford favored by two and a half. At home, over under 64 and a half. Vegas wants this thing. 34-31 Cardinal. How say you, gentlemen? I like the Kooks. I'm going to say, Me like, too. they played well against Oregon in the first half. They faded a bit in the second half. I watched that game. I think Jaden DeLora is legit. Um, what is it? Same high school as Mariota and yeah. Tui, yep. right? Yeah, and he, he he looks good, guys. I think he makes good decisions. He could sling the rock around. And gosh, doesn't it feel like Stanford feels a little bit under um, David Shaw, kind of like the Huskies did last year under Peterson? I hate to say it, just kind of flat. They just don't look great, you know? And I, I think they're going to have a hard year. So I'm taking the Kooks. I would love nothing more than to see Stanford go 0-6 this year. And I am going to call the Cougs to beat them here in the third week. I just The Cougs, I think, look better than I would have given them credit for, particularly offensively. I think their defense still leaves quite a bit to be desired. But, I mean, Stanford hasn't shown me anything at this point. Um, so, you know, I'm just... I mean, they got crushed by Oregon. They kind of hung Colorado, which, you know, we haven't really talked too much about Colorado here, but who's looked pretty good these first yeah. two weeks. But, uh, but yeah, I am on the Cougs for this one. And, uh, you know, I'm just rooting for an own six. Yeah, this could be, that could be that year. And, uh, I, I think the Cougs have definitely surprised from where people thought they were going to be. Um, that's a clean sweep for the Cougs. Then I hate to say it on this show, gentlemen, we got Zona this week. Uh, it's a primetime game on Saturday night. Uh, I, I think that the Huskies are going to have to come out and really prove it to themselves that they've got something special here and they can put down a team like Arizona um, at home with some of these new players. Let's see what Demo's got. Any any parting words, gentlemen? It was just so great to sit there on Saturday night. And I mean, yes, I was restrained to from going anywhere and I was on my couch, but drinking my cool Northwest IPAs, watching my Huskies live in action. It just felt so good. And even though that first series was just kind of a soul crusher with that yeah. eye snap, yeah. uh, I am really excited to get to do it again. Yeah. It, it just feels great to have football back, honestly. Um, you know, it's a great break and, um, you know, it's awesome to see the Huskies out there and, you know, like for all intents and purposes, does this, year really matter even on the scoreboard that much i'm just happy they're playing football man and uh let's see if they get it done on uh, saturday which i expect them to do against arizona i'm i'm psyched that we're back playing football and uh if you're out there listening welcome back to husky family jermaine curse yeah so great to have him back in husky family coaching coaching the dogs 
let's go get them this week. Go dogs. Woof. That's a wrap, gentlemen. Cool. How long? Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Washington State University. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Oregon and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep.